Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, as we always do, we're broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you are looking for a bank that's, I think, big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them as a uh, small, medium-sized business, but they're small enough to do it in a personal way, if you want that combination, then that's the combination I have found personally at Renaissance Bank. So if you are located in and around the Southeast United States, uh, go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and engage with them. And I think you'll be glad you did. By the way, they answer their own phone. Uh, Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. Speaking of bankers, I want to welcome Philip Williams. Philip is with PNP Business Solutions. Actually, ex-banker. That's right. Recovering banker. <laughs> That's right. You're in therapy right now, I'm right? still in therapy. Okay, got it. Uh, Philip, let's uh, give everyone an introduction to you and your work. How are you serving folks out there? Well, John, first of all, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be on your show today. It's always a pleasure to uh, spend time with you, so thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, PNP Business Solutions was launched. It'll be seven years in November. It's hard to believe. Congratulations. Thank you. PNP stands for Passion and Prosperity. So most business owners that I've met over my 30-plus years in banking and now seven years as a consultant are very passionate about what they do. We'll talk a little bit about that passion later when it comes to selling their business. Mm -hmm. But with that passion, they're not always prosperous. And the reason, is, the reason, quite simply, is they started their business because they liked a particular, they're passionate about a product or service, but not necessarily the finances. The finances were sort of a secondhand thing that goes along with it that unfortunately you have to pay attention to mm -hmm. and many business owners don't. And so the prosperity aspect of their business is not always there. So what I try to do is come in and work as a coach with my business owners to help them understand how to turn their uh, passion into prosperity. So hence PMP business solutions. I love that. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, people get into business and you can't get into business without some passion, right? About something. Absolutely. Uh, but bringing it all down to the bottom line is a whole other matter uh, together, right? Uh, and an accountant many, many years ago in my early stage of banking told me something that an entrepreneur, the definition was someone who doesn't know when they're taking a risk. Yep. <laughs> So they just go blindly at it and uh, because they don't, in their mind, they can get it done and they're going to do it. Oh, my. That's a knowing laugh on my part. Thank you for that. I, I love that. Um, talk about, Philip, why your banking experience is so important in the work you're doing now. I mean, what that brings to the table on behalf of your clients. Well, it goes back to risk. As I said earlier, most entrepreneurs don't really know when it's a risky venture mm. and when it is and when it is not. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, as a banker from the old days, we could tell 10 ways why something won't work because that's just how we were hardwired. Mm. And so that made a successful banker in that you were very, very risk adverse. So the two of those worlds clash, especially in today's world when most bankers are really more from the sales environment and less on the decision-making and the credit analysis world of things. Mm. 
So as a business owner, you walk into your bank and you think you're ready to expand your business. You give them some financial statements. The balance sheet may not balance. And so the banker looks at that particular opportunity and says, thank you. No, thanks. I can't help you. Mm. So what I try to bridge that gap is, is helping my business owners understand what they need to do from a business perspective to make their business look more attractive. So therefore bankers will be beating a path to their doorway to loan them money. Mm -hmm. That also plays hand in hand with when you sell your business, Mm -hmm. when you sell your business, you want to be able to present those financial statements to the potential buyer where that buyer goes, wow, I need to buy this business because it is very successful based on these financial statements. So again, I look at it as they, they kind of go hand in hand, uh, good financial record keeping and understanding how you make money is paramount in uh, running a successful business. And what business owners may not realize is that often that purchase of their business needs to be financed, right? So they, they have to show cash flow that a banker back to, back to your point can look at and say, Hey, I can finance that bingo. And that is so critical uh, because uh, again, once that a buyer takes those financials to their local bank, whomever that may be, uh, hopefully it's Renaissance since we're here in Renaissance bank today, and they will be able to understand those financials and know that this business makes sense. Uh, they'll be able to see and track all the uh, expenses and see the true cash flow, And that's, that's, that's critical. Well, you, and banks are different, right? So, and that's where you come in, speaking of your experience. I mean, banks have different uh, risk parameters. They have different skill sets when it comes to the type of business it is. Um, and that's not apparent to the typical business owner looking at it from the outside, right? Absolutely. And many times the, the mistake that, that uh, business owners make is they think that getting a business loan is much like getting a mortgage loan mm. as a consumer. And mm-hmm. it's n- totally different. It's, it's There's nothing even similar about the two. Mm-hmm. And likewise, your local community bank will probably understand or, or take the time to understand any nuances in your business that may be slightly different. Uh, they'll look at the intangibles. They'll look at, especially if it's a local community bank, that understand the various players and who the business owner was before or maybe who's buying the business. Uh, so those are all important facts, and, and, and you mentioned it earlier in your introduction. But a bank such as Renaissance Bank, mm-hmm. and what I would call a, a super community bank, mm-hmm. uh, they still are small enough to know their, their individual uh, business owners. Whereas the mega banks, and they're all fan, fantastic banks and uh, you know, publicly traded, doing well. And if you're a mega company, you know, uh, $100 million, $200 million in sales and greater, then that's probably where it would be best suited for you. Right. But for the small business owner, which I would, you know, categorize 3 million to 30 million in revenues on an annual basis, you're much better suited with uh, the smaller banks. Phil, let's talk a little bit about uh, timing and where we are in the cycle of business sales and business purchases for that matter. I mean, when, when is it a good time to be looking at selling my business, um, what are the particulars of the current environment that I need to think about? Oh boy, that's a loaded question. <laughs> so after, you know, who would have thought during a pandemic that the uh, mergers and acquisitions, M&A market would have just exploded, mm-hmm. but that's exactly what happened. Mm. 
2021, the M&A market has gone crazy, a large part, in fact, due to the baby boomer generation who are aging out. Mm-hmm. I don't know the statistic off my top of my head right now, but thousands of people are turning 65 every day from the, from the, the baby boomer generation. Many of those are business owners. So 2020, I think a lot of people started rethinking, do they really want to continue to do this? You know, they had to adapt and change the way that they may have done business that with a lot of businesses having to close, et cetera. So I think a lot of people's, you know, antenna went up and says, I think now's the time to sell. Mm-hmm. And so it seemed to have really uh, exploded during 2020 and just and shortly after. So as a result, there are other people who are strategic buyers that were looking to expand into various territories or various product lines, et cetera. So they looked at it as this, this is a ripe time to start, you know, approaching those business owners. Mm-hmm. So being prepared to sell your business is so, so important. And that's making sure that your financials are all tidied up, et cetera. Because as you know, in the negotiation point of any type of uh, transaction that goes on, uh, there's always give and take. And so somebody's always looking to nitpick. And so I won't give you this because, you know, it's like time to sell your car. You know, you got a scratch on the left fender here. You know, I'll knock $500 off. Right. Well, the same thing's true for businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have uh, maybe put something in that was irregular uh, on your financial statement, you know, they may question that and say, well, we're not going to consider that part of income. And the way 99% of all businesses are sold, it's, it's a multiple of EBITDA. Mm-hmm. And so anything they can do to ding that multiple down downward, then it gets them a better buy. So as a business owner, you want to make sure you've got all those covered and well-documented. When you say tidy up financials, let, let's put a, some examples around that for business owners, uh, Philip. And, uh, you know, because I think for most business owners, I suspect what they're thinking is, well, I just need to make sure the balance sheet actually balance and there's actually income in the income statement, right? <laughs> That's true. So, so true. So it's a mindset change that a business owner must take because, again, when you open your business, you were passionate about what you did, and then you probably visited your local CPA. Mm-hmm. He or she prepared your tax returns, and your goal was to pay as little taxes as possible. And that's, that's what your CPA is trying to trying to get too, right? I mean, your advisor is really your is got that mindset as well, so it reinforces the issue, right? It's kind of it's a double whammy because I've heard of CPAs that were fired by their uh, clients because they had to pay too much taxes, right? Yep. And then I've when you think about too. that, that's just kind of silly mm-hmm. because there's a reward for your efforts. And unfortunately you got to pay your fair share to uncle Sam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what we as, as Americans, I mean, I think it's a really across the board. We look to ways to uh, reduce our net income. So that in turn reduces our tax liability. We buy equipment unnecessarily in the, in the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, So it will reduce your, uh, you can take the 179 depreciation write off. Right. Um, and that's all well and good as long as you're running that lifestyle business. But if you ever want to build something that you're going to sell and be proud of, then you switch from being a lifestyle person to an enterprise person. Think of it as many uh, great Atlanta companies such as Home Depot or uh, Coca-Cola. They're not sitting around their boardroom uh, in the fourth quarter trying to figure out what equipment they're going to buy so they can show uh, less profit for their shareholders. Yeah, I mean, that would be – they would be – 
killed in the stock market. Right. So you've got to think about your your business as a as a publicly traded company. That's the best way I can think of it. And when you get to that point, when if you truly want to sell your business and you want to build something to sell, then you need to totally rethink the way you, your strategy. Folks, we're here chatting with Philip Williams. Uh, Philip is with PNP Business Solutions, his own practice. Philip, let's talk about this lifestyle versus enterprise business. Do you think that um, there's confusion on that with some business owners, whether they have a lifestyle business or not, or maybe they think they've got an enterprise business, but they really their business is really more lifestyle. That's a great point, uh, and that's exactly. I think it just kind of morphs over time. So you're starting your business, you've you've hired your CPA who's doing your taxes, and now you've got this game that's going, which is I don't want to pay Uncle Sam, right? And you know you may have, and, and as of most business owners, they worked in a, in a private industry before, were a W two employee. And they realize that they may be making less money, but they're actually putting more money in their pocket because they're not having to pay all the taxes and withholdings that you do as a as a W two employee. Mm-hmm. So it becomes kind of a game, I, I think, or you know, or, or it kind of morphs into that uh, in that you're putting more money in your pocket, and hey, that's a good thing. I can you know buy that beach house or that boat or fancy sports car or whatever the case may be. And then you find out as your children get older. You can either either put them on the payroll, or you can run their their cars through it as a, as a company car, or their phones as you know as company cell phones and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And you know maybe the husband or wife comes into the business you know once a month or once a week, and in turn they get a full salary. So you're paying again less taxes, bottom line. So all is good. So accidentally, I think over time uh, we become this uh, lifestyle type business. And is that uh, once you get to that point, is there no return or can you help? If I'm a business owner in that position and I want to get my business ready to sell, can you help me take care of all these items that I need to untangle out of my financials? Ah, the secret sauce. (laughs) So, yes, uh, the answer is yes and yes. Uh, And it takes a little while to sometimes untangle the weave. It could take three to five years uh, Mm. in order to – to reorder the business, to get assets placed properly where they should be placed. Because any savvy buyer that's coming in to look at the business are going to see right away what you've done. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to give you credit for that. They're going to try to ding you on your sales price. So yeah, very important. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about the particular environment we find ourselves as it relates to the effect of inflation, interest rates, uh, tax considerations, and the uh, where the IRS is when it comes to potentially coming after small businesses, et cetera. Oh, that's a loaded question. So uh, in, in a very real situation, so here we are sitting in March of 2022, just a few short months ago, mm-hmm. prime rate was 3.5%. As of today, prior to the Fed meeting, which is happening today and tomorrow, we're at Five and a half percent. That's a 200 basis points increase. Where's this going? Well, if we're thinking that the Fed's going to go 75 basis points, which will put us at six and a quarter for prime rate. Mm. So six and a quarter rate, and we were three and a half just uh, back in March. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a huge difference in our, in our lending environment. Right. That's a huge cost difference. So let's just take a million dollar loan. 
that's up from 35000 in interest per year to 62000 to where we are right now, where we could be. That's $5,208 a month. That's huge, but it gets, it, unfortunately, it gets worse. So this goes back to the banker's mind that I was telling you about where I mm-hmm. try to, to play interference between the banks and, the, and my clients. So banks have what they call an acid test, or they want to go in and, and, and check the rate to see, can you, as, an, as a uh, client, handle the cash flow? Will your, does your company have the ability to cash flow this loan based on a, what they call a shock test? So in many times, a bank will take 300 more basis points and add on to the current rate to find out if you would qualify for this particular loan. Mm. And if the answer is no, then you won't be able to survive in a rising rate environment. And that's exactly where we find ourselves right now. I'm not sure where the end is going to be, candidly, with uh, the runaway inflation that we have and with uh, the, the looming recession, which we're in a recession, whether we call it that or not, but we're we're definitely flat in a recession right now. Mm-hmm. So, as a, so as a business owner, you're trying to sell your business. So, you know, uh, Mary or Joe comes up, they want to buy it. So whatever the price you finally agree upon, they then go to their bank, and typically most people will finance a business via the SBA, and it's called a product 7A loan. Mm-hmm. Most SBA loans are prime plus two and a half to prime plus two and three quarters. So given if the rate increase goes to six and a quarter, then that's a 9% rate. That's huge. Mm, yeah. Then your bank is going to add another 300 basis points to that or take it to 12%. And can you – Cash flow a twelve percent note at whatever uh, amount that the uh, uh, business is being sold for, and it becomes very very difficult. So it's totally going to change the dynamics of what we've been looking at and what we've been so accustomed to as a country because our rates have been so low for right. so 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 long. Yeah, I mean, what was so when I when I moved to oh. Atlanta. Oh no, we're going to get the the age and now we'll see how old we are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So when I came to Atlanta and we built our first house in 1990, we were thrilled to get a nine and three quarter rate at the time because it was below ten percent. Right. And, and rates, you know, in the eighty one were you know eighteen nineteen percent. Oh yeah, I remember. So you know, are we going to back to there? I don't know, but right. I will tell you that it's definitely going to uh, hampen or hamper the uh, the business buying in business financing. So we're, it's going to be interesting times ahead, I'm afraid. It's no consolation. Prime was 21 in 80, 81. There you go. Yeah. So it's, and it's, but it's no consolation to people that, oh, well, Prime was 21 in 81. I mean, when it's, you know, nine or 10% and you're used to three or 4%, right? Exactly. It's, it, that's a problem. And it's been that way. Uh, I mean, literally, we have been sub 7% for over 20 years, I believe. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, and I'm sure someone's Googling me right now to, to verify <laughs> that. But I'm almost positive that, yeah. that seven's probably been the high over the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So what? it sounds like what I should do in my business is I need to do my own shock test or I need to hire Philip to help me do that um, it, with with my financials. Absolutely. So I come in typically on the, on the early of the engagement mm-hmm. and basically I do a, a front end analysis of your business. Mm-hmm. So I have a software program that shows you how you compare to your other uh, business in your particular uh, uh, SIC code mm. or NAICS code. Right. So basically you will know 
uh, because business owners don't always tell the truth when they when they get in the country club environment or or they're talking and they sell that they their business sold for X multiples over and so on mm-hmm. and so forth and they're doing fantastic. I've never walked into a cocktail party and somebody told me that they were in debt up to their eyeballs and could they could somebody help me please? <laughs> <laughs> if you remember that old commercial. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So any event, so my front end analysis helps level the playing field and it shows you in real time how your business compares to other like businesses. So you can grade your own self that right. you're doing great or, well, I need some help. And so if you need help, then that's what I try to come in and, and, and work with you on, uh, to get you back to that point that will give you the most, uh, bang for your buck when you go to market. Speaking of being, uh, at a, point where we're not used to in this generation is inflation. Um, given the way supply chains working and then, um, the cost of goods sold continues to, you know, really eat at, uh, small and medium sized businesses. Do you, in terms of selling your business, what do you need to be able to show in terms of your ability to manage inflation? Oh, great question. So it's, it's your expertise. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and if you all that are listening don't realize it, but, uh, one of John's, uh, great things that he does is help people concentrate on their pricing and figuring out, you know, do they need to do a price increase and what is your actual price? So many business owners don't know that. And that's key in a rising, uh, inflationary environment that you may need to raise your price. Well, I, I appreciate you mentioning that. I didn't bring that up so you could give me a, a, a commercial. But um, but I was thinking more, uh, yeah, uh, pricing is one of those factors, but also it's your, it's your suppliers, right? It's your ability to manage your vendors and um, to be able to continue operations unimpeded, right? Absolutely. So uh, earlier this year, I had a, a second-generation manufacturing company and they had done quite well by mm-hmm. themselves, uh, but they found that because of a lot of their raw materials were petroleum-based, mm. et cetera, uh, they were having difficulty getting their particular supplies. Mm. So for the first time, this company had to get a line of credit from their local bank, and the whole purpose of that was to really ensure that they could get the, the materials ahead of time to avoid any supply chain issues. Mm. But this is a very delicate tightrope that you got to walk because if you just continue, well, I use rubber gloves as an example. You remember you couldn't get rubber gloves several right. months ago, but now they're they're plentiful. Mm-hmm. So if you stocked up on them at a, at, a, at a certain price, then you're stuck with this 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 huge amount of inventory, which is a cash. It's a use of cash, which is can be very very critical for for a business who needs that cash, and now it's stuck in a warehouse somewhere with uh, just loads of, of uh, particular raw goods, et cetera. So we can't overreact as business owners. And I, and I try to uh, temper that with my, with uh, my clients and show them, you know, what the current inventory turns should be, what it looks like in the normalized situation, but don't go absolutely crazy out there and just buy up and try to corner the market Mm -hmm. uh, on a particular, because it could then hurt you long-term because you're stuck with all this inventory. And if it's got a certain shelf life, you're going to have to write it off. And so that's ultimately going to be a loss. So it's, it's a, it's, 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 it's delicate right now. And it's, and it's a, 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 a very interesting time. Yeah. Uh, Philip, do you work with businesses uh, that maybe they don't know what they want to do in terms of selling um, in terms of maybe buying other businesses, do you work with them it just as a matter of a, 
giving a strategic overview, a strategic plan, a look ahead as to what their options are? Absolutely. Because again, it's nobody's business may be for sale, but suddenly you get that call, you get that uh, announcement or an email that says, Hey, I want to buy your business. So the business owner, one doesn't know what they would do if they sold their business. Mm -hmm. They have no idea possibly what their business would be worth. They may think it's some huge amount and in reality, it can be much, much less. And so then there becomes, it's, it's, it's like that. I'm sure we all get these, we buy ugly house cards. I get a dozen of, uh, I must have an ugly house. I don't know, but I mean, I get these cards all the time of somebody wanting to buy my business. Right. And in reality, it is a fraction of really what your, what your, uh, your home is worth. And nobody does a cold call that wants to give you a great price. They are bottom feeders is what I call. Mm. And so business owners need to be aware of that and don't go down that particular primrose path with someone who may not be willing to give you what your business is worth. So it's important, it's important to have a, a current business valuation. Uh, if you're even thinking about it in the next five years, and then that'll tell you what the, the value would be as of today. But uh, as we all know, businesses are sold on future cash flows, not, 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 not past cash flows. Right. So it's, that's where you need this village of people to help you understand. And then it goes back to, do you have your own personal financial advisor? So, I mean, is, are you going to be able to live on what your uh, business will provide at a sale? Less capital gains, uh, less all the other taxes you pay, less the, the commissions, et cetera. And most folks are not sure. So it even goes back to your personal advisor. So there's so many people that are involved, uh, a good M&A attorney, uh, your insurance person, uh, if you are under 65, you know, how, what's your medical cost going to be at that point in time? So mm-hmm. there's lots and lots and lots of information that you need to make sure that you have put together. And so what I do is a certified exit planning advisor. That's a SEPA designation. Mm. And it helps be the quarterback to bring all those people together to help you uh, successfully migrate from a business owner to uh, a retiree sitting on the beach somewhere. So, Philip, I've got a question around the type of industries that you cover. Do you have any particular um, uh, preference or expertise in that area or are you much, are you a good old generalist when it comes to the work you do? I think the term is, is, is uh, agnostic. Uh, I, I like am that. business agnostic as a, as a banker from 1985 to 2015 uh, I really called on all types of businesses. Uh, I did a lot of uh, nonprofit lending, uh, manufacturing company, professionals, executives. And so I've pretty much built my practice on the same type of businesses. Uh, I've helped. Uh, uh, I'm right now in the process of helping a church. And if it all goes well as planned, uh, I'll save them about 18000 a month. Oh, wow. So, uh, and again, following the 2020 uh, pandemic, Church attendance is pretty much down. Giving is down, mm-hmm. and so churches are and synagogues are have been impacted uh, by this by the by the pandemic significantly. So, yeah, that's great work. So, maybe it would be great to, in terms of giving folks a sense of your work if you could give us a a success story, one that you're particularly proud of that illustrates the great work that you do. So I was contacted almost a year ago. Uh, it was a second generation business owner. Uh, he was referred to me by another client that I had helped. Uh, 
And his situation was he was working with one of the biggest banks in the country. He was wanting to expand his business, but the banker said no. Mm. And what has it turned out to be, this particular business owner inherited his father's business, and he was an accountant. Mm-hmm. So I really knew his financials. But even better, he was a former IRS agent. So someone who understood the tax code to the nth degree, this person really did. And so when they bought the business or inherited it from the father, uh, he structured it as such to be tax adverse, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. And he set up multiple companies. There was, I think, at least four different companies Mm. that was part of this, including a real estate holding company, et cetera. Uh, But the the banker's heads just exploded when they looked at it (laughs) because they couldn't understand the cash flow. Right. There were so many different moving parts. So I took the time with him, explained what had happened, that he was really a good business and that he was an attractive business. And I'm sure that I could find a bank that that would would love him and and help him grow because his ultimate goal was to to open other locations. He had expanded next door to his particular business, had bought the property, had financed it himself, so he did not need a, a bank loan. But now I was just looking to, you know, structure the business because he's very young to grow it. And, mm-hmm. and so that's what we set about doing. So after several weeks of going through all the financials and asking him a ton of questions and understanding the cash flow, I put together a, a fairly simplistic overview. I think of what was called a white paper in this particular industry and shopped it with various banks, mm. again, using the medium size to, to local community banks in this particular community. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of interest. So the good news was that, uh, uh, we had uh, three banks vying for his business, mm. where his mega bank said no, thank you, mm. and uh, ultimately we closed it last week. So it was a it was a it was a good news story. Oh wow! Uh, he is uh, he, I I call it what I do is arranging marriage, uh, and I try to find a banker and a bank that understands a particular uh, industry because as many people may or may not know, there are certain banks that like certain industries and others like other industries. Right. So having come out of the banking industry. My goal is to know these particular uh, uh, banks and understand what they like mm-hmm. and then try to present opportunities for them uh, to, to help these clients out. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, thankful that this one closed last week, and we'll move on to the next one. I love it. I love it. Philip Williams, folks. P&P Business Solutions is his practice. Uh, Philip, this has been great. I can't imagine there aren't some folks that want to be in touch. So well, let's John- tell them how they can do that. Uh, that's easy. Uh, you can go to pnpbusinesssolutions.com. That's my um, the best way to catch me. If you'd like to call me, it's 404-312-4663 because, like John says, I actually answer my phone. I love that. I so love thank that. you so much, John. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to spend time with you, but also to hopefully help some business owners out there that, that may be struggling or looking for a new direction. Absolutely. Um yeah, it's been it's been fun, and I'm, I've known Philip a long time. He's a great, great guy, and knowledgeable guy. It's help. It helps when those both come in the same package. So, thank you, Philip. You're no, terrific. You're too kind. Thank you, John. I appreciate you. Hey, folks. Just a quick reminder as we wrap up the show here. If you're looking for a better experience for your team building exercise for your company, if you're tired of thinking about activities that might involve broken bones or mosquito bites. Well, I've got an idea. ANS Culinary Concepts. Yes, they're a 
corporate catering uh, operation. They do great work in that regard. I know myself, so check them out on that. But if you're a business owner looking for a great team building activity, give Andrew Traub a call over there. He's the executive chef and owner of ANS Culinary Concepts in Johns Creek. His number is 678-336-9196. And what he does is plan an event where your team can come in, uh, prepare the meal with his direction, you, you eat it together. It's just a lot of fun. So uh, give him a call or go to asculinaryconcepts.com, and I think you'll be glad you did. And, folks, we are delighted to uh, report, if you didn't hear the show, that we've cel- recently celebrated 500 episodes of North Fulton Business Radio. That's a, a great milestone for us, and we've only gotten to that point because of your support. So if you could um, – uh, continue to support us, we'd be most grateful because uh, uh, that's what makes it flow for us. But here's the other thing, um, and I'm not shy of asking about this. If you have heard something here that makes you want to share the show, please do, because our purpose is to highlight great business leaders, owners, and community leaders like Philip who do great work, and they, that work deserves to be found and celebrated and shared. So if you could help us help them by sharing the show, we'd greatly appreciate it. So for my guest, Philip Williams, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.